The True Ambition Podcast with John Zink is brought to you by IT Avalon. IT Avalon, IT staffing and professional services done right. Visit our sponsor at itavalon.com. Now, welcome to True Ambition. Everybody, welcome to the True Ambition Podcast. My name is John Zink, and uh, I'm joined today by singer-songwriter Josh Kelly. Uh, Josh, yes, thanks sir. for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, this is going to be great. So just to let you know up front, um, Ed might give me some shit if I say the word awesome, because I say the word awesome oh, all the time. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I already did it, so... Um, Josh is joining us from, uh, his ranch in Utah. Yep. Uh, he was born and raised in uh, Augusta, Georgia, and, uh, just watched the masters there a couple weeks ago. And yeah, I was uh, down there. Oh, you were there? Yeah. I was down there playing, um, uh, a couple private shows. Um, one of them actually for the national and then, um, and then a, a different private show for a different company, but it was crazy. It was weird. It was weird without patrons and all that. It was actually, it, everybody was saying that like a lot of the older pe- people in Augusta were saying that it's the way it was like way back in the day. They were like, it was kind of like felt sort of throwback. Yeah. You know, when there wasn't hardly near as many people watching the tournament. Well, it's interesting to uh, listen to some of the interviews with these uh, professional and uh, college players that are playing in front of, you know, piped in sound in the football games and I, I can't imagine the, so weird it's it's got to be weird for them playing the game with none of that uh the you know the the 12th man for the football teams and stuff like that I haven't even thought about that as far as like the rookies it being their first experience and their first experience is like like crickets <laughs> that's <laughs> <Right>. terrible <laughs> uh, I heard there was one game where I heard some booze coming through I'm like they're piping in booze that is amazing. Of course they are. Yeah. Of course they are. It would, this would be a great year for somebody to have a huge catalog of sound design. You know, that just went out and like recorded crowds of any kind or just anything like that. And you can sell all that. Yeah. That's wild, man. So we got, uh, uh, he is married. His wife is uh, the actress and model, Catherine Heigl. Yeah. And uh, three kids, two daughters and one son. Yep. And if I remember correctly, your son is a junior, right? Yes, he is. He's th- that was actually Katie's idea. I was going to name him Abel. I just thought that was kind of cool, you know, like Abel Kelly. But um, she thought it was, would be cool to have, you know, a junior. And, and now, honestly, like, I can't imagine him being any other name. He's, a, he's Joshy. He's oh, like, yeah. He, if, I, if I tried to call him Abe right now, I'd be like, nah, that doesn't look like him at all. Well, jo- you, got, you got Joshy and I got Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. That's what I was calling you actually when, when I did that show for you, I was calling you Johnny. Cause that's my young, my older brother's name is uh, uh, John and, and he, he, everybody always called him Johnny and we all idolized him. So now anybody named John, whether they get offended or not, I don't care. Just call him Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You'd have to call me a lot worse than that to offend me. (laughs) Oh, oh, I know. So, uh, appreciate you being here. I absolutely love the new album. Thanks, man. Um, my baby in the band. Yeah. So, uh, uh, title track is that uh, written for your wife? 
You know, yeah. I mean, it was actually in that song I wrote with uh, my buddy Dustin Christensen, um, who used to live here in Utah, and he was basically like the only person here that I could co-write with. And now his, you know, his songs have gotten so big that he's he moved to Nashville and he's hardly ever here anymore. So, um, so I'm back to writing alone. <laughs> but we wrote that song together, and yeah, it was the whole idea. Um, was is basically you know it's about the band the band it's my 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 favorite oh, okay. band in the world is the band and um and I'm a huge fan of Levon and the way he plays drums is the way I learned when I was a kid but um yeah so it's about basically you know sitting back with a glass of wine with your with your loved one and dropping the needle on your favorite album and so is, in, that, and is in, that the reason it starts off with the drums like that yeah yeah and and it's also there's reference to the songs you know the night they drove old dixie down you know that's one of the songs and there, there's there's little there's subtle little references to the to songs from the band and the song so i you know it just it was just kind of a clever title and 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 i think just like a really nice easy way to sort of um create that feeling of laying back and just chilling and, you know, letting all your worries go away, let the music heal you. And, um, you know, sometimes my friends and sometimes even, even me, you know, I get caught up on trying to be too clever, too, um, write something too heavy. And it's like, sometimes, you know, a song just needs to be just chill and easy and not too complicated. And, And I think that that's the case for that song, my baby in the band, it just feels good. You know, feels like what I grew up listening to when I was in my mom's car, and she was like always listening to the Doobie Brothers and shit like oh, that. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah. The Doobies just got uh, put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, about time. So uh, when when was the new record released? See, it was actually released when I was at the, at the Masters. So Friday, the thirteenth, November thirteenth is when it came out, and uh, we had a record release party out there in Augusta and. And where hardly anybody was taking COVID very seriously at all. <laughs> I mean, my dad and I were the only ones wearing masks everywhere. Anyway, I don't mean to throw it under the bus. I think uh, they, I don't. I don't think they have. I don't think it's too heavy down in their area. Anyway, but uh, yeah, yeah, the record just came out, and it's it's performing way better than I thought. You know, because you know we're I'm I'm back to being independent again and i love it but i'm i am on universal records for distribution and so we've got our little team with my manager and my publicist and and an assistant and it's a small team and um and i don't you know i don't expect like the results that i used to get when i was when they were putting millions of dollars in my career but the damn thing came out gangbusters man number 3 right out of the gate and it's like okay you know the game has totally changed yeah you know, you don't have to have, um, you don't have to have somebody pouring in millions of dollars. That, by the way, you have to recoup before you see any money. <laughs> right. Anyway, you know, if they if they spend two million dollars on promoting your single, well, you have to make two million dollars before you see a cent. Right. And um, you know, now we've got it worked out to where I mean, you know, um, without sounding like whatever, um, uh, I'm making more money than I ever have because. I have my business model is just better. What you really need to do or what most people need to do is maybe come to Reno and play a show right before um, their album comes out at my wife's birthday party, which is what you, mean you like did. like what I did. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what you did was uh, you played a song called Loves You Like Me. Yes. And I remember watching and listening and going, that's a great song. And then I was pleasantly surprised to see that's a new song and it's on the new yep. album. It so sure is. Would you play that for us right now? Absolutely. I'll play it for you right now. Actually, uh, some of these songs I write for my wife uh, as kind of like a get out of jail free card. You know what I mean? Been so there, whenever, done I get in, whenever I get in trouble, I just... Uh, I just go lock myself away and write or something, and then I erase all the damage. <laughs> so here's Loves You Like Me. They might know your name, and they might know your face, but I dare say they don't know your heart. They've only seen you all put together. They ain't never seen fall apart They don't know who you are But I get to watch you kissing the curls on the top of our baby girl's head And I get to hold you while we fall asleep in the middle of our king-size bed Everyone loves you, but nobody loves you like me. Yeah, everyone loves you, but nobody loves you like me. Nobody loves you like me. To the crowd in the room, you're the life of the party. To me, you're my reason to live. I run out of steam where you're just getting started It's hard not to love your best friend Everyone loves you but nobody loves you like me Cause I get to watch you run through the rain in the parking lot down at the mall And I can't count the times you kissed away Everyone loves you, but nobody loves you like me. Yeah, everyone loves you, but nobody loves you like me. Nobody loves you like me. I watch the shade of your beautiful eyes change with the rise of the sun. I'm the only one. I'm the only one Yeah, I'm the only one Cause I got to watch you Light up the room down the aisle With that wedding dress on And I got to dance with a lady That everyone wishes that they could take home Everyone loves you, but nobody loves you like me. Yeah, everyone loves you, but nobody loves you like me. 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 
Yeah, buddy. Sweet. That was awesome. Listen, I was kind of—I had to think a lot because I usually play that on piano. And I'm, I'm just, if you saw smoke coming off my head, it's because I was thinking, like, wait a second, what's the next chord? <laughs> I, I bet you that got you out of jail. That's a great song. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's uh, wonderful. I, I, I remember, I, I I remember watching that. you playing it and going, I was, hug, I was hugging my wife. I'm like, this is a perfect song. It's so good. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, that one. I took my time on that one. It, it took, uh, I actually had the song almost finished for about a year. And then uh, I just knew that it needed another, basically like a final, because the choruses are all different, same melody, but it's like the only song I've ever written where each chorus is its own, you know, lyrical movement. And and, um, I was on a bike ride. I'm a big cyclist and I was on a bike ride and I wrote that whole last chorus um, going up this steep hill and dictating into my phone and and I remember coming back going, oh, thank God this song is done. It's buttoned up. It's finally buttoned up. So when, when did you first get into music? Uh, see, I was a little kid. Um, and my mom, they had, there was this like, I don't know what you call it. Like a, it's like a sitting room that no one ever sits in. Um, she had one of those when I was growing up. And there was this awesome Yamaha piano in there, this upright piano. And. I used to just sit down and play chords and I would just figure things out, you know, just like whatever sounded good. I've, you know, I didn't, I, I would never had any training or anything like that, but I always, always had an ear. And, um, so I started messing around with that. And then my older brother, I think I was maybe 11 or something like that when he, maybe I was 10 or 11. He brought a guitar home from college that he bought at a pawn shop and he accidentally left it when he went back to, to school and then a month later, when he came back to visit again, I was playing Led Zeppelin songs on it. He was like, <laughs> just freaking give it to him. So, you know, I, know, I, I think I started around that time. Okay. 10, 10, 11, something like that. And didn't even I didn't even know I could really sing until I got to college. Um, I mean, I knew I could sing, but my younger brother was always the singer of our bands. Uh, and uh, if you don't know who that is, that's uh, Charles Kelly. He's the tall drink of water in the band Lady Antebellum. Well, now they call Lady A. Yeah, I saw that. I was looking up, uh, doing research, and I saw that they changed it to Lady A. And, yeah. Uh, just like uh, people were like getting in, uh, tying their tongue in knots trying to say it or what? No, it was because of what, you know, when Black Lives Matter happened and, and also when, um, well, it obviously not when it happened. It's been around for a while. Um, but I think it's when they were getting... They just with the the fact that the name has to do with like before the war. It means late, you know, before antebellum means before the war. Yeah. Um, you know, years ago when they came up with the name, it was just a cool sounding name. Right. Um, but they didn't realize that it had so many sort of negative um, mm. things attached to it, and they were like, people already call us Lady A anyway. Yeah. And the majority of people do, and so they just decided to go ahead and change it and do the right thing, and they did. So, so was you guys are all into music. Um, mm-hmm. Was there someone in your family? Your, your dad's a doctor, right? Yeah, he's a doctor. So who, who in your family was into music that got all you guys into music? I mean, my older brother, John, he has a Led Zeppelin cover band called Black Dog. Nice. They literally, it's hilarious. Dude, they're so good. Um, it, you, you think when you go to see their show, because they're all in like, khaki pants and like plaid shirts and penny loafers and like Dixie cups in their hand. And you think that this, they're about to suck. And then all of a sudden my older brother with his bald head goes, yeah, hey, mama said the way you move. And then 
all the the, the roof just explodes That's off the great. place. It's the most unassuming cover band you ever seen. So yeah, John. I think John. Yeah, I would say he got us into it, Johnny. Um, got us into music, and then we just kind of took the ball run. Really, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you, I did. Uh, I always knew that it was a possibility. I mean, even when we were kids, I'd say, I want to, I'm going to do this for a living. And I remember Charles going like, no, you're not. Nobody can, people are born into it. I don't think so. I think they're just regular pissed people, you know? And so when I got to college and I started getting some, I actually went to college on a golf scholarship. And, and when I, I started playing local shows and I realized I was getting more dates playing music than golf. I started really focusing on music and, um, you know, three years into college, I had a record deal and I just left. Well, I had, it's, it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, my, my background is that I was a drummer from the time I was a little kid. You know, my, my first kit was uh, blue bonnet, butter dishes and pencils on my mom's table. Dude, just sound, that's our, that was our life right there. Same thing. And then finally I, you know, saved up enough money to buy myself my first drum set and then, you know, it was the, that that was my identity, you know, all through high school. Do and you then, still have that kit? I don't have that kit. No, I've got. I do. Uh, you do? Still have my, I still have my first one from 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 when we were like 13 or 14. What's the, what's the brand? Tam, Tama. Tama. Oh, yeah. T-A-M-A. Yeah, oh, yeah. I that, still that was, have it. That was my first set was a Tama. So it's uh, it was a 24-inch bass drum. My mom drove me to Rockford, Illinois to go buy it. 24-inch bass drum. All the drums were oversized. I came home, and I remember I set that up in my room, and I was a rock star. You know, oh, yeah, it, dude. It was amazing. I was in this little bitty town you know, in northwest Illinois. When I set that thing up, you know, I, I played every song. When you're talking about Led Zeppelin, you know, that's it. I first learned to Beatles albums, Beatles songs. My mom had all these 45s and stuff. Then I put on Led Zeppelin, and, you know, John Bonham blew my mind. Still does to this day. Oh, oh, dude, no, I, that's that. He's yeah, he is the standard. He's what I, mean, I was trying to do all those triple triplet kicks and stuff. Oh, when yeah. I was a kid. But you know what? You just had. A, I have to write this down. You just you just came up with a great idea for a song. Um, can I dictate it in my phone real quick? Yes. Okay. I came from a small town, and when I set that kid up in my room, I was a rock star in a big city. Something like that. I'm, Boom. Just, I'm just, I have to put it in there. Um, but that's what, when you said that, I w- that's kind of what I was, what I, what I th- thought was about to come out of your mouth. You know, I was, in the, I was a, a kid in a small town because my mom, the same thing. Like, why is it moms that are always like, I, every time I talk to somebody about who got them into music, it's like, yeah, my mom drove me to go do this. Same thing with oh, me dad and wasn't you. gonna do it. Dad, no, my I, mom I, did it. <laughs> I'd be so I'd be playing I'd be playing the drums. My dad would come home and say, "Turn that shit off." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Believe me, man. I remember. That's so funny. Moms are just—they're the best. <laughs> they are. I mean, I wouldn't be doing it. My mom was actually she was a she was a drummer in 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 school. She was she was a majorette, but she also played in the band. Which is probably why she can't hear anymore, hardly. Uh, because back then they didn't have like sound baffling in those rooms. It was just like, yeah, just go set up over there. Um, set up in the corner where all the stone is and your, your cilia is going to lay down. Anyway, um, but she, 
she, you know, grew up with, she obviously has great timing and she's a good drummer. And so she really encouraged that for us. She wanted us to learn how, and by God, she was fine with us being right up above her, you know, beating away at those drums while she's trying to watch Oprah or whatever it was. Oh, I, 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 I hope to God. I, I, I see Johnny every once in a while pounding on his, uh, uh, leg when we're singing jingle bells or whatever because you know it's almost christmas time and uh yeah he's two and a half so he's just starting to uh talk right now yeah and uh you know it's uh, it, i just i hope and pray that he gets it you know because uh, you know it, he probably will i mean he, he probably will but you just you really never know and and i'm trying to decide like you know with little joshua jr you know he's he's going to be four here in a month do I want to start kind of like putting things in front of him yet or just let him find it on its own? You know, like should I put a little guitar in his room or a keyboard or something or, or just the fact that he's surrounded by it all the time. Maybe he'll, I don't have to, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard because my dad, he was never the kind of guy I, you know, in Augusta, Georgia, if you don't play the game of golf, you literally have no friends. And my, my younger brother and I and my older brother, we were all really good golfers. But my dad was like the only dad that was not pushing us too hard, you know, and like sending us to like all these swing coaches in other states and all that kind of shit. <laughs> he just sort of stayed out of it. Right. You know, and we would just play and have fun together. And so there's something beautiful about that, too. You know, about there's like, I feel like there's a sweet spot. I think mm -hmm. you give them the opportunities but you don't push them too hard because a lot of those kids that had all those swing coaches and stuff ended up basically like, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Not phased out, but they, they just kind of burnt out. Yeah. You get burnt out. They burned out before they even had a chance to be really great. You know, I had this, uh, this guy I went to school with, well, it, the town I grew up in, you go to school with somebody from kindergarten to 12th grade, you know, a 1500 people town. So my yeah. graduating class was 36 people. Amazing. And this guy, Casey Kenna, he was always in the golf course, and I went out there like junior, senior in high school. I, had, I know I had my driver's license, and he's like, "Hey, Boomer," my nickname was Boomer. He goes, "Hey, I'll uh, I'll bet you twenty bucks I can beat you. I'll, I'll have a seven iron only, and you can use yeah. all of your clubs." I said, <laughs> "Okay, ass, let's do this." He beat me so badly, his seven iron all the way through, and I, you know, I just didn't know anything about the game, and uh, he saw me coming. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's that's something my older brother would have done. He used to he used to have these Doctor Buck teeth that he could put in. It made him look like like a real like messed up redneck. And he would and he would stop at these like podunk country clubs on his way back home, and he would hustle people out of hundreds of dollars, just like topping it off the first tee and saying, "Man, I'm feeling good today," you know. And then like all of a sudden shooting like sixty seven or whatever. Dude, you got you you would love him. He is. There's no one like him. Well, so when you, you guys had a band together, right? Your younger brother? We did, yeah. We had a band called Inside Blue. And what kind and, of stuff did you guys play? It was kind of like a cross between, let's see, I'll give you three, three examples. Okay, it was like, it was, it was like Super Tramp meets Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Uh, I love Super Tramp, man. Talk about <laughs> talk about harmonies. Oh, dude, uh, that's I mean, I grew up with Super Champ, Super Tramp, uh, Jethro Tull, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. I mean, that's yeah, that's all my older brother for you right there, just taking us everywhere with him, and he was rocking out all the time. So yeah, we had that band, and actually, it we did really well. I mean, we were all like 15, 16, 14 years old. And it did really well, kind of right out of the gate. And 
and I remember James Brown's manager heard us on the radio, the local radio station, and he got in touch with us and they wanted to sign us to a record deal. And I remember like, I remember him going, you guys are going to have a, he, he was like, let me try to remember, he's like, you're going to have a CD release party in New York City and all the hottest chicks are going to be there. You're going to love it. And my dad was like, uh-uh, no, <laughs> no way. My dad was like, we're not signing anything. And at, at the time we were so mad at him. But now, <laughs> You're like, in what? High, yeah, and now we're like, oh my God, this, this would be a completely different. Different world. Uh, different world right now. We, I'd be on some street corner probably with like, who knows? I'd, I'd probably be dead by now. So he made the right decisions, what I'm trying to say. So you you told me uh, when we met before that uh, you play like 14 instruments, right? Yeah, yeah. If you can't tell that I, um, my wife thinks that I have ADD. I've never been tested, but I jump around all the time. But it, I think that whatever it is that is going on in my brain, it, it, it makes it easy for me to learn more instruments because you know it's 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 a language it's a repeatable pattern and so i'd basically just um you know have a thirst for knowledge when it comes to music and and also uh also out of necessity you know if i needed a cello part and i was like shit i don't know any cello players around here <laughs> and so what i would do is like get on craigslist and buy some student cello for a 100 bucks and and then i just watched a bunch of youtube videos and learned it but when i was a kid i started off um, on drums and piano and guitar first. And I feel like if you want a kid to learn music for life, put them on something. Like I actually think piano is the, probably the most ideal, but you want to learn drums or something percussive first because then throughout your whole life, you'll be able to deliver all, even singing or all the other instruments, you deliver them with, with more of a percussive timing. Right. So you learn all those things like, you know, to be able to like... You know, to have that, just like, that have that better hands for it. Right. So, yeah, I started on drums, started on piano and guitar, and then, you know, next thing you know, I'm the bass player in the band, so I'm learning bass, and, and then from there, I just started kind of stretching out. You know, I learned um, lap steel, uh, mandolin, uh, banjo, uh, God, what else, cello. God, I don't even know anymore. I mean, so when you're, you when, you're, when you're recording like this last album, do mm -hmm. you play all the instruments? Yeah, I would say on 80% of the tracks, I'm playing everything. Okay. Uh, some of the tracks, whenever I'm in LA um, and I, I, I can assemble my band, my band that, that I play live with, we go to King Size Sound Labs in LA, which is a great studio there, and we'll cut live as, as a full band. And to be honest with you, I prefer cut. I prefer cutting things live as a full band. I like the tug and the pull of it. Um, but I don't have that luxury out here where I live because it's a very small town and I'm the only drummer and the only bass player and the only singer. I mean, there's no one. So who are your favorite singers? That is tough. I mean, because it, I have a lot of favorites because it depended on whose car I was in when I was a kid. But I would say, you know... If I had to just pick maybe like a handful, I would say Stevie Wonder. Um, I've always been a huge Stevie Wonder fan. Um, another favorite singer, Donny Hathaway, my God. Um, and then favorite singers that have like their own kind of, their own thing. James Taylor's got his own thing. 
Mm-hmm. There is no one that sounds like him. He it, it, and it, it, you can, and you really can't say that it's the prettiest voice in the world. It's not. It's just something about it is so so soothing, and he just owns it. It's his the way he his phrasing everything. So he's one of my favorite singers as well. Yeah, and those freaking songs. Oh God, he's so good at guitar. You oh, don't yeah. realize how great at guitar he is. Um, you know who was it, interesting? I saw years ago in Dubuque, Iowa, who I was amazed at what a great musician he was, was Willie Nelson on guitar. Really? I didn't know that. Couldn't believe it. He's, he, huh. he's he, no pick. He's just doing the old uh, finger yeah. thing. Yeah. And I had no freaking clue. Really? I, I, was, I, didn't, I, I didn't either. I yeah. didn't either. That's yeah, it awesome. Was, it was great. So um, one of the things, we, we sat down and had dinner uh, there in Reno, and you told me a story about Napster. Oh and yes. It was the yes. way that you got your first record deal. It yes. Yeah. So, so you know, you remember the movie Jerry Maguire when he when he gets that big client and he's like in his car and he's beating on the steering wheel and he's so excited. Yeah. When when I when I came up with this, I call it it's not a scheme. It was just like sort of an accident when I was using Napster. I literally did that when I was driving back home from the library. I was beating on the steering wheel. I was so overjoyed because I knew it was going to work. Um, so what I did is I was I. I remember when one of my friends told me to download Napster and you can, you know, get a bunch of music and all this kind of stuff. And so I did that, and I wanted to. I was just at that that time starting to really kind of produce my own music you know, on a better level, and so I used Napster to get my music out there, and so nobody else had my song. So I had to have my laptop open so they could download my songs. And I remember thinking like, all right, this dial up here at my place is just too slow. So what I would do is I would take my laptop to the library where they had like ethernet and they had a firewall. Uh, And I would just leave my laptop open and you know, I could, I would call my friends and say, Hey, you can download the song now. But then what I, there was an accident. I, I accidentally right clicked on somebody's username. Um, and it was actually when I was looking up James Taylor songs. And at the time on Napster, even if there were like 20,000 people hosting James Taylor songs, only 100 results would come up. It was limited to that. So I accidentally right-clicked and a little box came up and it was like, would you like to send Janet57 a message? And I was like, what? And so I sent Janet57 a message saying, um, hey, um, I noticed that you like James Taylor. If you like James Taylor, you're going to love this kid I just found named Josh Kelly. You're going to love him. He's awesome. And so I, I, I did that, and I was like, all right, maybe I could just send all 100 people that same damn message. And so I sent all 100 people that same message. Next day, I opened up my laptop, and there's like tons of people that have my songs that are also now hosting my songs. So I came up with the idea of doing 100 a day um, for like two months. That was like my goal. And I did, I, I sent it to a hundred people a day. And after about a month and a half, my music on Napster had gone totally viral. And then uh, one of the recipients, I remember that day cause it happened twice. One of the recipients sent me a message back saying, Hey, I love this. Who is this guy? And I was like, well, it's actually me. Uh, I'm Josh <laughs> Kelly. I'm trying to get my music out there. He goes, well, I'm an A&R guy for Hollywood records. And I really love this. And I went, what? And I thought it was total BS. And he said, can I call you tomorrow? So I gave, I gave him my number over Napster and, um, and he called me the next day. It was crazy. And I, I even, I remember too, there was Aware Records, a guy at Aware Records also sent me a message 
um, you know, wanting to talk about my music. And it was all because of this little loophole that I found in Napster. And I remember when I finally got that record deal and my single was doing really well and I was on tour and Napster had already been dissolved by then um, because of Thanks, Lars. Lars. Yeah, thanks, Lars. Um, <laughs> some, one, some of the old street team came up to my shows and said, hey, man, we were actually trying to like catch you. We were trying to find you and stop you. And the whole reason they couldn't find me and stop me because I was at a co- I was at college and they had a firewall at the library that they couldn't get my IP address. That is so great. <laughs> it was so wild. So yeah, I mean, I owe the internet. That's why I don't I don't get mad about the internet. I owe the internet my you know the the beginnings of my career. I mean, it really. I mean, I warp zoned into the big leagues like overnight, and it was scary. I was not prepared. I had no idea that that was going to happen. My goal was just for people. I wanted the masses to have my music and Napster was away. Right. Uh, I wasn't even, I don't think that I was even thinking record deal until it happened. Yeah. I'm sure you weren't thinking record deal when you were sending out a, a hundred messages a day. I want someone to hear my music. I mean, I, I can imagine being that kid or that yeah. young adult sitting there going, Listen, I just want somebody to hear this, you know, as a musician, as an artist, you sit there and you go through this for a reason, because you create your art as an extension of yourself. And then we really just want to help people and create something good for somebody else. Yeah. And then you want somebody to hear it. You want want somebody somebody to hear it, it. whatever it is, especially if you know what's good. And, you know, I feel you can't kid yourself. If you know it's good, it's good. Right. And um, and I yeah, I wanted people to hear. I wanted I wanted praise too. I wanted you know, um, like an artist that finally gets their their wall in a prestigious art gallery. You know, that's like it's it's a big deal. And I I, I did want that. I knew that I was good enough. But what I was not ready for is like, you know, needing a look. Or all this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? I literally was like, I showed up to Hollywood Records. It's a damn wonder I got a record deal showing up there like that, with like long hair and Birkenstocks on and shorts and <laughs> like a golf shirt. And I just, it's like, I'm sure they were like, this guy's not a star. <laughs> like, what is this? But I started singing some songs and and um, and you know it worked out. But they definitely, we did a big, they did a big makeover on me. I remember like doing my first photo shoot and this, this gal comes in she was like, we're going to take care of these eyebrows. And she comes in and she like, I mean, dude, it was so painful. I had tears come in my eyes. I was like, what are you doing? Did, did they and wax she, it? She, no, she took tweezers and just sculpted it. Ow. And they cut my hair and they, you know, they gave me this. And to be honest with you, I look back at those photos that I, and I was balking against all that. And I'm like, man, they made me look way cooler. Like, I wish you'd have used all those photos. That that was a great look. I was like, well, I wish I had that jacket right now, man. Damn, that was dope. But at the time, I was like, don't mess with me. Don't change me. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Well, your, your first hit was amazing, right? Yes. Would you go ahead and play that song for us? Yeah, yeah, I'll play that song for you guys. Yeah, this this song kind of came out of nowhere um, when I was a kid, uh, when I was in college. And I just started this little, I, was just, I remember sitting on the bed playing it like this, this little bouncy rhythm. And really the first words out of my mouth were actually, you know, 
became the lyrics. So I'll play it for you right now. Um, Cause you paint a pixel on the wall. Cause you've got a lot to tell me, but you don't think you can say it better. Oh, baby. You're bringing up times I can't recall And I'm sure they made your point But I just can't seem to remember And I know you got the feeling And I can't say I'm agreeing With your topic of conversation So just listen to the reasons And the hints that I've been giving To the thoughts of my imagination Come on, let me sing I said, baby, you're amazing I want to let you see You are everything and more to me I will let you be I will, I will Cause I saw you walking down the hall and I had a lot to tell you, but I didn't think you could say it better. Oh, baby, you were good at making me feel so small. And I know you made your point, but I just don't want to remember. I want to sound like Michael McDonald. I know you got the feeling, and I can't say I'm agreeing with your topic of conversation. <laughs> so just listen to the reason And the hints that I've been given To the thoughts of my imagination So come on, let me sing I said, baby, you're amazing I want to let you see You're everything and more to me I will let you be Take him to the bridge Cause I'm dancing around In your world of play Taking my time To make sure you stay I would give my life To make it okay Yeah So come on let me sing Boom, boom, boom Style. She got grace and need for makeup on her face Came in no surprise to me She got a great personality I tried a bit to paint a fold to give her Because all of my love just don't seem to be enough It's a common formality A contagious technicality Damn, she's so good to me I find it hard to break the pieces Please, this ain't the way it seems If you could dance in my shoes You're no special company <laughs> So uh, stupid That's awesome, man my, Michael McDonald's the best Oh, <laughs> you know what it is? is my, my younger brother could do it really well. It's like you just you have to be comfortable with pushing a lot of air, like letting a lot of air pass through yeah. your voice. I mean, I don't know if that's how he does it, but that's definitely how it sounds. It's like here you gotta be higher. <laughs> I have this thing too yeah. called like Michael McDonald's McDonald's. Did I ever do that for you? I think you were doing it at the at Carissa's I, birthday party. Did I do it at her birthday? Oh, oh it's my God, the it's best. So stupid. Do it. It's, so do it. it's, it's great. It's a. It, it was an idea that came from taking Naley through McDonald's because we're not allowed to really. My mom doesn't allow it, but sometimes we're like, let's go it's get a, a treat biscuit. It's a treat. And so I was like, Naley, I wonder what it would sound like if Michael McDonald was taking your order at McDonald's. And I was like, I think it sounded like this. And he was like, uh, Would you like a hot apple pie? 
Maybe some cheeseburgers and fries. She has a 995. As she rises to her conclusion, is it gonna be a coke or maybe a sprite? It just goes on forever. <laughs> is it water or It's like what a fool will eat or something like that. I can't remember how it goes. It's so stupid. It's oh, so it's stupid. the best. My band members have actually added to it. It's like four minutes long. <laughs> It's so stupid. Oh, that's like it's like band rehearsal for us. I swear to God, we'll get mm-hmm. maybe a half hour's worth of stuff done, and the rest of it's just busting a gut on stupid shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, actually, that's where a lot of great songs come from, though. I mean, I, I really, really miss touring right now. Boy, well, I mean, was, I was one of the things I was going to talk about is like, um, we haven't played music since New Year's Eve of last year. You yeah. know, because, you know, COVID just came and wiped everything out. Um, people need live music, you know. Oh, yeah. That's why I was really excited to have you on here today. You and I talked a little bit about, you actually built a stage, right? I did. I built a stage in my, so right now I'm at, at, at my house because I'm still on daddy duty. Um, but uh, my main studio is down at the ranch and it's this big tracking facility. And so what I did is I actually moved a bunch of stuff out of there. I built this stage that's probably, I don't know what it, it's probably like 10 by 10 or something like that. And I made it look like the hotel cafe in Los Angeles. Um, you know, with the, with the, the rugs and the cool sort of the, what do you, what do you call that color? That like burnt sort of red, kind of color behind it and drapes and just made it look cool and vibey. Yeah. And then I set up this three camera operation that I can change with my feet and uh, really super professional lighting and, um, and some really great DSLR cameras. And um, I was like, this is the way it's going. I want to be ready. You know? Right. And so that's what I've been doing. We've been doing these shows on like um, a platform called Topeka Mm-hmm. And uh, the last one, what I did is, you know, and they're getting like vinyl records with their ticket and stuff too. That's why the ticket prices are kind of high. They're like 70 bucks. Sometimes they're a hundred bucks a ticket because of all the stuff they're getting and just the exclusive show. And it's, I think limited to 50 people. They can see me. I can see them. Um, I set this huge screen in front of me. I mean, it's dude, I got to send you, I'll text you some pictures of the setup. It's, it's really, really cool and super vibey and uh, low lit. Uh, and it sounds really great, too. You know, it's all going through the big rig. And then basically like what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something that everybody needs. It's like pe- people are talking all the time. It's like, when are you going to go back out? And that was the great thing about having you at Chris's birthday party. Yeah. I told all those people, I was like, this is going to be one of your only live concerts of the year. Oh, Absolutely. You know, there's no it was, doubt. It was an absolute treat for everybody to be there, and uh, I looked around, and everybody's smiling, having a great time, and nobody done it in eight, eight, nine months. No, I know. No, it was it was wild. I mean, honestly, I'm thank you for the opportunity because uh, a I needed to get out of the house, and b um, I needed to play, man. You yeah. know, so it was it was it was a great opportunity for me, and it and it and it keeps you know keeps everything well greased too. You know, like the uh, like the engine, and every you know it keeps it going because. It's like, it's like, here's a, you know, it's like Tiger Woods. He's I'm not comparing myself to freaking Tiger Woods, but you know what I mean? He, I think you just did, bro. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but what I mean is that he, he only plays a certain amount of tournaments a year because of his bad back. Yeah. So, you know, so before a major, he'll like play the tournament before the major and he plays like shit. 
because you know you need you need like real tournament rounds. You can't just like it's not, it's not just a round at your local golf course that's going to have you ready. It's the it's the pressure of being a competitive round, and that's what I got from you. You know, I need those competitive rounds in um, because when we you know if we get that vaccine and everything to kind of comes back to sort of semi-normal i'm gonna hit the ground running bro um yeah i feel like i was one of the first ones to do the internet live shows and i want to be one of the first ones getting back on tour because um i think it's just it's it's necessary for my soul yeah and my kids are not getting any less expensive. And <laughs> <laughs> well, one of, one of my next door neighbors and a good friend of mine is uh, the stand-up comic uh, Gary Owen. Yeah, he's and, amazing. And he's uh, he just got back because uh, he was supposed to be in Kentucky last weekend. And uh, they shut everything down. So he came back on Friday. And he's playing twice as many shows to 50% capacity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for about four or five months when COVID first hit, he was out and he's like, uh, he goes, I haven't, I haven't been home like this in 20 years, you know? (laughs) And he's like, it just, it it was great because him and I got to get pretty close and, uh, form a friendship there. But he goes, I I didn't know any of my neighbors before that because I was always on the road. Yeah. And two, you know, people are different too. Like, you know, I'm not like a true road dog. Um, I like, I, you know, I only tour probably 50 dates out of the year, but like my younger brother who is on tour all the time, he's like a true road dog. Um, He, when, when he got back home, you know, due to COVID and everything, I mean, I'm surprised that he wasn't successful in trying to bite his own ear off. Like he didn't know what to do with himself after the first month. He was like, I've just, I got it. He's like, I got to get out of here. I got, you know, he doesn't, he's one of those dudes. He's like, I'm a, I'm a total homebody. And you know, my wife and I were already living a very sort of quarantined life before this. So it was easy for us, but for him, Oh boy. And I can't imagine for Gary, he was probably like, this is enough. This is enough for me. Yeah. It's uh, it was uh, pretty interesting to uh, get, get to know him. And I kind of like cool, you listening to getting to hear that song at Carissa's birthday party. He would be working out a few of his jokes with me in my backyard or his backyard and yeah. then I went to see him in the summertime at a show. And then he starts off on a joke. And I'm already laughing because I've heard the joke before. Yeah. And he goes, dude, I could hear you laughing before I got done with the joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that's awesome. Question for you. Yeah. Who was your biggest mentor in life? Biggest mentor? Yikes. It's a big question. Um, mentor. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to probably say my, my older brother, John, you know, I think he, I think my, I even think my younger brother, Charles would say that too. He just proud. He was proud to be our big brother and he would take us everywhere with him and show us off and teach us everything you know he, when he when they were doing their black dog shows and all that i mean we were the we were little kids we should never have been in any of those places but he was like he he would go sit down on the floor sit in the corner and just stay there and we would stay there and we would watch these shows and um i think just that hands-on big brother attitude that he had he wasn't he was never like embarrassed of us he was proud of us and and uh, and we got to like run in his circles and 
and he would teach us the music that he exposed us to, I think was so huge and so pivotal. So I would say, if I'm really being honest with myself, I would say that it's John Kelly Jr. And where, where is, where's Johnny at now? Johnny is, he's in Augusta, Georgia now. He is, let's see, he's 48, gotta be 48. And he, he does like commercial real estate, land development, all that kind of stuff. Um, but he plays, they play shows like every week. I mean, you, Black you Dog is rocking. You can't stop playing. My, my, oh, my, stop. my wife has asked me so many times, like, when's this whole band thing going to be done? I'm like, sorry, it's babe. Never, never <laughs> done. No way. Yeah, I think they get in. I think I'm sure that they get in arguments about it, too, because, I mean, when I was there in Augusta, man, he was. they were rocking out, dude. They had a huge show. And um, it's cool. They spell it, too. They spell it like D-A-W-G. It's Black Dog. <laughs> and it's just so good. So, yeah, I would say, you know, I'd say that that was a huge mentor for me. I'm trying to think, like, in my career, my wife is quite a mentor. I mean, she really, she's my barometer. Yeah. You know, I run every single song by her, and she doesn't give me, she doesn't, there's no BS, dude. If she, if, if she doesn't think it's very good, she's like, I would stop working on that one. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, you, she got, tells you me. have, you have another artist there that'll actually, uh, knows, yeah. what, knows what's good oh. to tell you and what's good to it. Constructive dude, criticism so talented, is the best. It's scary how talented she is. If you, if you go on a movie set, I mean, I forget because she's my wife until I go on like a movie set and watch her. And I'm like, how, the, how did you just do that? That's insane. How did you just do that? Right. And she'll, she'll literally look at her lines. She'll look at like three pages of lines, like one time. And then she'll, it's done. Where people, other actors are over there, they're like freaking out, trying to memorize her lines. And I don't know if it's a photographic memory or whatever it is, but the, but she never has to study lines or anything like that. She just looks at it while they're doing hair and makeup. And then she steps on the stage and freaking crushes it. And you're like, you're not a human, are you? You're a, <laughs> yeah. Tell me where you're from. What I'm married to a cyborg. <laughs> I'm a cyborg. <laughs> like, where are you from? This is, you're not from Earth. Hey, so when I was doing the research here, I ran across a song called, uh, I think it's called Naily Moon. Oh, yeah, about my daughter. Yeah. So is there a song for your other daughter? Yes. Her song is called Cowboy Love Song. I was going to say, if you didn't have one for your other daughter, you better get oh, busy writing one. Oh, that's dude. a great song. Naily Moon is so good. Oh, yeah. No, that that is like one of the best songs I've ever written. And I remember when, you know, when we adopted Adelaide, um, you know, a few years went by and I was like, oh, God, she doesn't have a song. I've there's favoritism going on. Yeah, right. And so I remember like like really working on it and 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 taking my time. And, and I came up with this great idea and I had this working title of Cowboy Love Song. And so I sent it to Charles and he goes, dude, I love this song, but that title sucks. And I'll tell you why it's still called Cowboy Love Song. It's because your little brother doesn't tell you what to do. <laughs> that's why it was going to be called like Adelaide song or something pretty, but it's called cowboy love song because he told me to change the title and I refused. He said, not, not today, yeah. bud. Not today, buddy. But yeah, hers is cowboy love song. And I haven't written one for Josh Jr. Yet. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to write about with him. He's so goofy. It's like, sorry, bud. You don't get one. Just the girls. Yeah. I mean, really that's the, the I, I would say it matters most for the girls to have one. I, I don't, I don't know if he's going to really care or not when he's older, but I, I'm sure one of these days something will happen. Maybe those chords I came up with a little while ago while I was we were goofing around. There That's you go. pretty, and then this is pretty. Ooh, that is. 
Joshua. <laughs> so you, you, you kind of brought it up there, and I wanted to talk a little bit about it for um, some folks that might be listening. Talk about how you guys got into adopting. Well, my so Katie's older sister was adopted from South Korea. And um, when we were dating, and I think it was when we were starting to get very serious, um, I can't remember when it was, but she said, you know, uh, I would like to adopt first, you know, when, when we want to have kids. And, and it was a deal breaker for her. And, and I was like, well, uh, absolutely, no problem. Like, like what a-hole says, no, I'm really not into like saving a child today or these any day. It's like, right. who says no? So I said, yeah, I said, absolutely, of course. Um, and I think it's just, it's a huge part of her upbringing and she wanted, you know, and for that to be in our family as well. And uh, so we adopted Naily and, um, from South Korea and um, it was amazing. It happened a lot quicker than I thought it would. And I think, I think Katie's celebrity helped out a lot, but also we were open to special needs and she, she had uh, two holes in her heart at the time Mm. and they repaired those two holes at age three months and five months. Um, and they have really great surgeons in South Korea. And, um, so she she came to us when she was nine months old and, and then I had checked that box to say, we would always be open to adoption and any family, you know, anybody wants whatever. And years later, we get a call that, you know, this lady wants to, you know, um, you know, is open to the adoption process for, for her unborn child. And it was just out of the blue. Next thing you know, we had a newborn baby with Adelaide. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. And, and I was done. I was like, I don't, I didn't, I didn't care about having a biological kid or anything. It was, I don't know. I just was like, once we had the two girls, I was like, okay, I'm done. This right. is great. This is perfect. And now let's, Let's get back to focusing on number one over here. You know, we're so like, <laughs> we're like dominant A personalities. Right, right, right. And, and then, uh, yeah, and then little Josh Jr. just out of the blue, man. Out of the blue, she, there was a, ladies, do not, do not trust the app on your phone if it says there's no petals on the flower. There's a chance that there are petals on the flower. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Yeah, so we had, uh, we had Johnny uh, just out of, uh, pure luck or a miracle from God, you know, cause we, we gave up years ago. Yeah. And then three years ago, right around this time I was coming home from San Francisco and Carissa goes, you got to get home right away. And I came home and you know, there is the um, pregnancy test in the back of the wow. toilet. I'm like, Holy shit. You know, that's and, awesome. You know, it's just uh, an absolute blessing, you know? So, uh, but I, I appreciate the adoption thing because my, my dad, who raised me, adopted me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really? One, oh, it's one of those things. That my mom is my mom, but yeah. uh, she and my biological father got divorced when I was like one. And then she remarried and my dad adopted me. That's great. And, you know, it's just, it, it, it's so important, you know, and I wouldn't have ended up where I am today if it weren't for that guy stepping up and saying, got no this, way. got it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I wonder how many, if you can count the angels in your life that got you to where you are, you know, um, cause it takes a lot of them and, um, it's interesting. I mean, and I was very nervous about the adoption process. I was, I was, I remember being super nervous and thinking like, you know, what if, what if she doesn't like me or what if she doesn't accept, you know, what if it was, she just like never, 
thinks of me that way or whatever. Right. And that was absolutely the opposite. It's like right when she got into my arms, man, that was like, this is my baby. Oh my yep. God, here we are. And, and, uh, we went straight to the TV and watched the golf channel for the next 365 days. No, my mom mom said that I actually chose Rich Zink as my dad because I called him daddy. Oh, nice. And then they got married after that. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's just, you know, one of those those deals. That's awesome. So so I appreciate you talking about that. Um, Absolutely, of course. So we've got a, a song here that uh i'm just in love with right now so it's uh yeah. it's the last song on the new album oh and busy making memories busy making memories and yeah. uh i just absolutely love it because i'm going through and I'm, I'm writing a book right now that's also called true ambition just like this podcast nice and uh there there's a there's an uh, a chapter in there called no more wasting time and it talks about a lot of the things that you're talking about in this song. Yep. Um, and I absolutely, I wrote them down because I loved it so much that uh, they had me running like a rabbit on a wheel, too busy chasing empty dreams. Now I'm busy now I'm... making memories. Yep. And then in the next verse, you're talking to your dad. Yep. Talking about coulda, woulda, shoulda years, too busy in your history. When you could have been making memories. When you could be busy making memories. Busy yeah. making memories. I freaking love it because Thanks, it's so man. it's so much about what I believe in, which is, you know, it, a, a lot of people know about me. I'm in recovery. I've been six and a half years sober, and there's so many people that are so busy in the past, and also so busy in the future, and they piss all over today. Oh man, totally. You, you, you have to be willing to look at today, love today, cherish this time and be busy making memories. Absolutely. Yeah. You get caught up in any kind of chase like that, or it's just, you know, and I'm realizing now, you know, um, I mean, I've always known it, but I'm real, I'm realizing more so that, you know, that that whole cliche that life is fleeting. It is. I mean, this is a short life. It's really short. And um, too short to, to do all the things that I want to do. Um, so I'm just, I, I realized how grateful I am. I've, I have a wonderful life. I have a wonderful family and, um, I want to make sure that, that that's number one. And I do think when you, when the, you know, for lack, for lack of cliche here, whatever, but I think when you do put that number one, that everything, it just starts to fall into place. Like all the things that you were trying to get by hustling just kind of mm-hmm. come to you. You know, I really do believe that now, um, that the whole laws of attraction with, um, you know, what you want. And there, there is, I think there's just some, there's some ease to it uh, when you stop pushing so hard that it just kind of starts to happen. Yeah, you know? I agree. Just if you do the right thing for the right reason, be a good person, be yeah. a good person, God will just show up and it'll just yeah. happen for you. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. Once I stopped chasing and uh, you know, I, oh, so many great things have happened to me over the last few years when I stopped chasing it. Yeah. And this song was actually kind of the start of it too. You know, it came out of nowhere. I, I, I was, I was very hungover when I wrote this song. It was right after new year's and, um, 
and I was kind of disgusted with myself and I was, and I was just watching my kids just playing around me and everything. And I started playing this and I, I, this like random thing, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I was just sitting with the electric guitar actually. And I was just like going, and just out of the blue, all these lyrics just started pouring out. It was crazy. It, you know, I mean, I pretty basically finished 80% of the song that morning. And then went to the studio and and then wrote the last kind of the last verse in the studio. But you you can either you can either live in that little in that wallow, or you can shake yourself out of it and live in the present right now and be grateful. You've got a lot of great stuff going on. So so busy making memories, baby. Yeah, you mean to play it? Please. saw this day in my brain when I was carving out the rest of my life Two little girls and one little boy making angels on the snow white skies But I'm grateful for the changes and the plans that I once made Cause they had me running like a rabbit on a wheel Too busy chasing empty dreams should be busy making memories Busy making memories I'm busy making memories Yeah I got a call from my dad the other day And we got to talking on about where the time goes Reminiscing in the years gone by Felt a sadness coming through that phone I said don't act like life is over You got a long one left to live So caught up in the coulda, woulda, shoulda years Too busy in your history When you could be busy making memories Busy making memories You could be busy making memories Through the eyes of this camera I'll take it all Every single moment will carry on In the door frame of this lived-in home There's a pin hanging from a string it writes the tale of a husband and a wife Steady growing up their family You know one of them's a thinker One's getting taller every day The other only cares about the dating scene But I'll tell you that's okay with me Cause she's busy making memories Busy making memories this ever-growing family all oh, spinning like angels right in front of me yeah oh, 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 oh. yeah mm -hmm. I'm busy making memories sweet Awesome, bro. I'm going to use <laughs> Thanks, awesome, man. Ed. You can't make awesome. me stop using it.
It's awesome. <laughs> Look at that guy. <laughs> oh, right, I love so, that song, man. Oh, it's just so good. Um, I played it for Carissa the other night, and she's like, oh, my God, it's so good. So, uh, you know, y'all should see that video too, by the way. I don't know if you've seen the video. Katie and I shot that together. Um, we, we actually do a lot of videos together and then I basically load everything in a final cut pro. And then she just like scoots me off the seat and she's like, all right, let me take it from here. <laughs> yeah. And she edits these videos. The video is beautiful, man. She oh, I haven't seen job. that yet. I just, I just yeah, listened cool. to the song. Yeah, it's really cool. It's fun. We have a good time doing that kind of stuff. So like I said before, this is called the True Ambition Podcast. And yep. uh, True Ambition comes from uh, my time uh, in recovery in AA. And one of the quotes that I read in there said that true ambition is not what we thought it was. True ambition is the profound desire to live usefully and walk humbly under the grace of God. Mm. When I read that years ago, it changed my life. Um, you, like me, like many of the people that I talk to, are very ambitious. I was ambitious for the wrong reasons is what I took from that quote. Um, once I changed the way I was living, kind of like we talked about a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. and stopped, you know, running on that uh, hamster wheel or that rabbit yeah. wheel, things changed when I started doing things for the right reasons. Um, being where you've been, knowing what you know now, moving forward in your life. Last question I'll ask you: What's your true ambition moving forward in your professional life? And what's your true ambition in your personal life? I think for I think actually for those two things to live as more as one. Um, I think that um, if my professional life and my personal life with my family, I think it's uh, you know I want them to be one vessel, uh, one vessel for good, one vessel you know f- for calmness, one vessel for pause. Um, I I think it. I think it is ambitious to think that they can they can live together and that that one shouldn't be separated. But to be honest with you, it's it's who I am. Um, And if I try to push that one guy away and for the father me, it doesn't it doesn't work. You know, the musician, me and the and the dad are the are the same guy. And so um, I've noticed that that the closer that I'm getting to for them to, to live in the same vessel, um, the happier I am and the better I am at being a parent. You know what I mean? The better I am at being a, a husband and a listener. Yeah. Um, there's I definitely, when I had them, when I, when there was a separation between the two, um, uh, you know, personally, I was, um, very getting very dark, you know, and, um, so now I'm I'm pulling I'm trying to pull the two together, uh, and I think that I think it's it's happening. I mean I think you if you listen to the music, it's it's I write a lot more about my family now, and um, it's easier it's easier to write about what you know, yeah, uh, than it is for me to try to fabricate something that I, I that maybe I've read or about or something like that. And so that that is one thing that is I think that is a part of that ambition is, um, is understanding that your audience, they can tell when you're full of shit <laughs> and they can tell when I'm, when I'm singing about something that I really believe in. Um, so that's the direction I'm going for well, the rest a, of my days. <laughs> that's a great answer. 
And uh, this has been a great podcast. I really appreciate you taking the Thanks, time to man. do this. And uh, I, I consider myself very lucky to have met you and to uh, call Same you a friend. Here. And uh, this has been awesome. So uh, Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. So appreciate we look that, forward. Brother. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Well, we look forward to uh, keeping in touch. Absolutely. And uh, one of these days we'll make it up there to the ranch because I want to I check that place out. We'll record some music and remember we got ski season coming up. Just because COVID is around doesn't mean that that I'm not gonna get on some skis. Oh my my, my big ass is not getting on skis. <laughs> I love it, man. So all right, it. man. Well I appreciate you taking the time. All my best to your family. Thanks, Happy holidays and too, uh, Merry Christmas and all that good stuff. All right, brother. You too, man. Thanks for having me. All right, later, soon, Josh. The True Ambition Podcast is brought to you by IT Avalon. For more information and links to other episodes, please visit www.trueambition.org. Now, go find your true ambition. And I'll be your protector.